Hello, this is Tommy Franks. Welcome to the Four Star Leadership Podcast, product of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum. We're here to get a view into the lives of the legacy makers, the movers and the shakers of today. Offer insights from the full spectrum of the leadership community. We'll talk to former four-star students and explore their leadership development path. We'll work to find out what they are about today and learn from the opportunities they've made for themselves in this world. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome you to this podcast. Remember, leaders are not born, they're developed. Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of the Core Principles of Leadership with General Tommy Franks podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jill Green, and today our guest is Mr. Bill Hancock. Mr. Hancock has achieved a unique trifecta at the highest level of intercollegiate athletics. He was the first full-time director of the NCAA Final Four, the first executive director of the Bowl Championship Series, and the first executive director of the college football playoff. Bill has been at the helm of the college football playoff since its inception in November 2012. At the time, he was the only employee and was responsible with finalizing the details of the media rights agreement, negotiating agreements with the bowl games and national championship game host cities, building a staff, finding office space, creating the selection committee, and drafting protocol and procedures for the committee to use. With his leadership in building the program in its first year, the college football playoff was named Sports Event of the Year by Sports Business Journal. Hancock's storied career began five decades ago in 1971 when he became Assistant Sports Information Director at the University of Oklahoma. In addition to his storied career with the NCAA, the Bowl Championship Series, and the college football playoff, he has also served on the United States Olympic Committee staff for 15 Olympic Games and two Pan American Games. He has been inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, the Sports Information Directors Hall of Fame, and the All-College Basketball Classic Hall of Fame. With his journalism background, he has served as the editor of the Hobart Democrat Chief, his hometown newspaper in Hobart, Oklahoma, which is also the home of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum. He is also published author of two books, Riding with the Blue Moth, a memoir about one of his cross-country bicycle journeys, and This One Day, A History of Hobart, Oklahoma. Before we get started with our episode, we will have a word from one of our major sponsors, REI Oklahoma. REI Oklahoma is proud to be part of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum in the production and distribution of these podcasts designed to inspire leaders and difference makers. At REI Oklahoma, we have been working with small business leaders, entrepreneurs, and people who are driven to succeed for years. 
highly motivated people working to own their own businesses, live in their own homes, and make the world a better place since its beginning. REI Oklahoma has continued to identify hurdles and deliver holistic solutions to create job growth and help neighborhoods thrive in both rural and urban communities. REI Oklahoma looks forward to visiting with you about helping your business and community grow. Visiting reiok.org or call 1-800-658-2823 to start the conversation. The Labar family is a fourth-generation Oklahoma family. That may not sound like a long time, but our grandfathers were born here, within the Comanche Nation, before the land run. We are the proudest sponsor of the Tommy Franks Four-Star Leadership Podcast. We hope listeners will heed the words of these distinguished men and women who have served our country at the highest levels and across all walks of life. Today we have with us Mr. Bill Hancock. Bill is the executive director of the college football playoff, and he's been that since its inception in 2012. But in Hobart, where the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum is located, he is a hometown hero born and raised here. So, Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Jill, thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you, and I do love Hobart, and I'm so grateful for having grown up there. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we really get started? Yeah, uh, my dad uh, owned the newspaper in Hobart, the Democrat chief. Um, actually, he moved home from college and, uh, and had a department store, uh, which was on the east side of Main Street between uh, 3rd and 4th Streets, or excuse me, 4th and 5th. And he lost his business during the Depression. They just went under. There weren't enough people buying shirts and shoes and jeans. And uh, he got a job at the newspaper selling advertising and in the 30s and worked his way up to uh, to own the newspaper. Um, my brother bought part of it from him. And I so grew up with a job. Um, my dad gave me a paper route when I was 12. And uh, you kids used to ride their bicycles all over town. Yeah. <laughs> Delivering newspapers, throwing papers on the porches. <laughs> And uh, I'm laughing because a lot of people know this, but, but a lot of people probably don't. Some of them don't. Um, so, yeah, growing up in a newspaper family was a great thing for me because we were always connected with anything that was going on in Hobart. I remember a big debate about whether there should be parking meters downtown in Hobart. And that was a dinner conversation for us in our in our house. Uh, we were very connected with the schools. Uh, it, you never came home and said anything bad about your teacher unless you wanted probably a, a, a whipping and being sent to your, your room. We just did yeah. not complain about teachers or, frankly, any, any one of the teachers, preachers, anyone of authority. They, they earned that right and they, they earned and deserved our respect. Growing up in Hobart, um, it sounds like you have some very fond memories still mm-hmm. of this and and I'm sure that growing up in Hobart has shaped um, your leadership style. So can you kind of talk about how um, growing up in a small town has kind of molded you into the person you are today? Yeah, I think that's really important. And important in connection with Hobart is that every person was important. Every person had a, a function. And uh, 
you know, we had to be in sports. We had to be in the band. We had to be um, in the junior play or those things wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. And so every person mattered. And I have carried that with me for my career. Every person is to be cherished. Every person is, is to care about and, and love. And uh, I, 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 I'm so grateful for having been from Hobart where that was the case. At least it was in our family. Every person matters. Yes. So and and you talk about um, you have to you have to be in the play or you have to be on the basketball team or part of the FFA. And and that's because there might not be enough kids to do it. And I think that a lot of um, times other kids focus, if they're from larger areas, they focus on just one thing. And um, a lot of times they're kind of afraid to get outside of um, of what they know. But um, kids like us from small towns, we have to step up and we have to know how to, uh, to get outside of our box. So uh, I think that's an important characteristic to have. So you talked about your dad owning the newspaper here in Hobart. And so you graduated from college with a degree in journalism. So how does how did you transition into the into the sports world? I happened to get a job at OU. Uh, needed needed a job, needed to work, and uh, happened to get a job at the student newspaper. Uh, I first started in the print shop, uh, wore bib overalls and, and an apron and and got my hands dirty in, uh, in doing that print shop work, but later moved up to the front shop where you didn't have to wear overalls <laughs> and uh, got a job as, as a writer up there. And that connected me with uh, covering, I was a sports writer and connected me with, with the athletic department covering, um, covering sports. And I found out there was a position, there was a thing called sports information office, which I'd never heard of. But it was uh, the communications uh, operation for athletics. Uh, they issued media credentials. They wrote news releases. They kept stats. And they asked me if I wanted a, a job there as a student. So I'm like, whoa. So I, wow, this is really cool. You're going to pay me for doing this? <laughs> and so I left the, newspaper, the student newspaper to go work for athletics. And then after my junior year, a full-time job opened up in sports information uh, when a fellow named Glenn Stone from Eric, Oklahoma, <laughs> was a, was a full time staff member, and he left to, to take a job at another school. And uh, there was another Southwest Oklahoma connection. My friend yeah. Glenn from Eric uh, left and opened up a job for me, and so I, I I took a job after my junior year, full time job in athletics. Uh, went to went to finish my degree at night school, and. Um, that connected me with the Big Eight Conference, which connected me with the NCAA, which connected me with uh, the BCS and now college football. So it's all, it, it really all goes back to, to have, choosing the right sort of path, luckily, back when I was a student yeah. at OU. So looking back on your, your career, what is one of the most important risks that you think that, you know, that you took? Oh man, I'm pretty deliberate and not too much of a risk taker, I guess. Uh, I think others might disagree with that. But <laughs> my biggest risk was moving our family out of Hobart. Um, after our dad died, my brother and I worked in the newspaper together there, and we had four awesome years in Hobart. Uh, I have friends there that are that are still my friends: Truett, Bill Gentry. 
Dave Mills. I can just go on down the list. And but I got a call from the commissioner of the Big Eight Conference in Kansas City who said, hey, our, our communications job is open and I want you to come up here and take it. And my goodness, how do you leave your legacy, your hometown that you love, your friends, your activities? Uh, but we, Nikki and I, my wife Nikki and I talked about it. She 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 taught high school in Hobart, and we talked about it and said, you know what, we got to do this. We have to go try this. But we didn't know if we could survive in a big city. We didn't know how our boys would do in school there. We didn't know if I could find my way to work on the freeway there. <laughs> it was a risk. And but we said, you know, if it doesn't work, we'll come back to Hobart in a year, and that really was our intent. And uh-huh. uh, 45 years later, here, here we still are, and we haven't gone back to Hobart yet, darn it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it worked out, and it's worked out well. So um, when you became <laughs> the executive director of the college uh, football playoff, that was the position that had to create and kind of build into, into what it is today. So when you're pulling in staff and, you know, building this committee, what kind of skills in a person did you look for? Well, uh, that you said it right. I was the only employee and said, yeah, Bill, get a staff, get an office, get uh, a selection committee, make it happen. And I don't think anyone else will have any kind of uh, as op- an opportunity as great as the one I had to, uh, to start all this up. But we had a good supportive board and um, they trusted me and, and I took a plan to them for staffing. And uh, what I wanted was good people. You know, you can, a good, a good person, smart person, but a good person, a person with a good heart and a good soul can, can learn anything. And so when we started, I said, that's what we want is good people. And uh, gosh, our second or third employee was a guy named Wes Gentry, who's a Hobart High School graduate. And he didn't get the job because he was a Hobart High School graduate. He got the job because he was a good person. And uh, we fit person, people in, good people in as uh, team liaisons, as stadium liaisons, as uh, people who ran events. And most of them had had experience in their areas, but they were all good human beings. Um, You you just, that's where you start. That has to be your North Star, good human beings. And I don't care where you go to church. I don't care what you like to do when you're out of the office. Um, give me a good human being and, and you can fit in. And that's what we did. Hello, this is Dr. Jill Green with the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum. I would like to tell you about one of our partner sponsors, Justin Krieger. He has worked as an independent insurance agent at Krieger Insurance Agency in his hometown of Hobart, Oklahoma, since 1999. Justin is honored to help with our annual Celebration of Freedom event and has served on the board of directors for the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum for many years. He is a fifth-generation farmer and rancher in Kiowa County, where cattle, crops, and even insurance is sold with a handshake. Give him a call at 580 586-3076 or stop by the office and speak with Justin, Denise Reeves, or Wendy Block about your insurance needs. 
Krieger Insurance is thankful for their loyal customers and friends who have supported them through the years and look forward to earning your business as well. Justin feels honored to live in such a great country, and he is proud to be a sponsor of the Core Principles of Leadership podcast. Please enjoy the rest of this podcast experience brought to you by your friends at Krieger Insurance Agency. It's like a lot of different industries in in the world. It is something that evolves sometimes on a, you know, a daily and yearly basis. So in in sports, we think of the portal and the new NIL deals and all these conference realignments that are, are happening. And so how do you continue to lead through all those external changes when you have no control over things like that? frankly, lead by creating an event that ties the groups together. Um, Our championship, our football championship ties together everyone in college athletics. And yeah, the NIL is, is NIL and portal happening at the same time here is a challenge, but we'll get through it. We've had other challenges in athletics that people said, oh, you'll never survive this. Well, we did. And, and we'll survive what we're facing now as well. Uh, and it comes from working together. I, 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 either either, either we, we hang together or we hang separately, as the old saying goes. And, yeah. But it's true. I don't care if you're running a business in Hobart or Cordell or Altus, uh, whatever it is. If you, if you hang together and keep your North Star on the common good, uh, then you're going to be fine. And, and uh, that, that is what I think my role is, is to keep everybody on that North Star of let's do what's best for the common, for the common entity. Yeah. So, so when the committee's coming up with these four teams for the playoffs in the past, um, there's always going to be controversy and strong opinions. And so how do you manage all the talk? and the outside critiquing and that comes with this position? You know, we know it's there. Uh, I've been in this industry for a long time, uh, 35 years in, in between NCAA and here. And every NCAA sport uh, generates uh, criticism. <clears throat> every sport has a committee like our committee. Uh, women's soccer, lacrosse, softball, baseball, volleyball. They all have committees and they all have a limited number of teams that can be in their championship. So when I was doing basketball, we had team 65 that was always really disappointed in us. So that all prepared me for with our 14 college football playoff that all that prepared me for team five to be heartbroken. And right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken that would for them. And if, if, my, if my own school got left out, I'd be heartbroken. Um, that just goes with the territory, and you counter that with a legacy of integrity and with with being honest. And that's the way we've handled the criticism we get. I do think that our society, for whatever reason, has moved more toward if I don't like you, if I don't like what you did, I'm going to file a lawsuit. Or I'm going to right. say ugly things about you in the press. That has carried over to sports. Uh, the criticism we got this year was the worst I've had in my career. I've, I've had it, as I said before, but this is the worst, uh, worst I've had, where 
you know, the people say, we know where you live and we're coming for you. Well, does that person really mean that? Do they really mean that? I don't think so. Um, And if they write me a nice letter, a reasonably nice letter, they can be unhappy, but, but express themselves without using profanity. I like to call them back. Just call them, pick up the phone. Hey, this is Bill Hancock here. I'd like to talk to you. And usually they go, what? No way. (laughs) (laughs) So whenever you can connect, whenever you can connect with people, certainly one-on-one, it's, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. So in this role and in, in leadership in general, so how important is compromise? It's important. You can't be stubborn. You can't be uh, my way or the highway. You have to listen. And yeah. many, many, many things in my world are negotiated. And they're negotiated by me calling someone and saying, hey, I need you to really think about this. And him saying, well, can you live with this? And we go back and forth and eventually we come to a solution through collegiality and, 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 and compromise. I imagine when the when the committee meets in December and you know is ready to um, get to work, you know I'm sure that there's some really strong personalities on that on that committee and and with strong opinions and so you don't vote. You're kind of there in my mind, kind of as a facilitator to keep things moving. So how do you keep that team on track and motivated? despite all of these conflicts and obstacles to overcome? Well, their motivation is to give back to the sport. The sport of football, for most of them, um, gave a lot to them in their lives. And, and they do. Their, their, their attitude is, I want to give something back to the game. We have, we have strong debate in, among the committee members, very pointed debate, but never ugly. And one of my roles in the meeting room is to make sure that every voice is heard. And if someone doesn't speak up for, you know, gosh, 10 minutes or whatever, then I'll make sure that person gets called on for his or her opinion. Uh, and it's funny because two people will be going kind of head to head on on one set of teams and then moving on to the next set of teams. Those two might be joined at the hip and, and, and seeing the same yeah. side of things. Um <laughs> It's my view of how our our Congress ought to work. And for yeah. whatever reason, they've been pushed into having to declare a position and never move. Well, that's not how our committee operates. They, they, they debate, they change sides, they work together on some elements, they have to be apart on some other elements, and it's, it's really beautiful. <laughs> well, and, and that's the way it should be. So you've been a part of some amazing sports moments and been around some of the most amazing sports figures that we've all known. So what is one piece of advice that you've gotten from one of them that you'd like to share? See the best of the best and work with the best of the best in football, basketball, baseball, and through my Olympic work with people in the Olympics. And I think the, the best piece of advice is care about other people. I, I happened to be in Sunday school at the Methodist Church in Hobart the year they taught us about the golden rule and uh, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's, that's all you have to know. And that's the advice that I've, I've gotten from leaders. Be honest and really treat people the way you want to be treated. 
you know, we, we complicate things too much. All you have to do is that. Remember that golden rule? That's all you have to do. That's all you have to know. Yes. And that's, that's how I try to live my life. You've announced your retirement for next year, and it's a very well-deserved retirement, and your successor has been named. And what advice are you going to give to him so that he can continue on and, and keep this legacy moving? Well, the guy they hired is great. Uh, he's a general Frax would recognize his military career. He's a three-star general in the Air Force and has been the superintendent of the Air Force Academy before he before coming here. Wow. He will start here in June, and we, we don't have a date yet for the formal handing of the baton. But my, my advice to him is what he already knows, which is lead, communicate, and then when it comes time to make a decision, don't be afraid to make a decision. And he, he, he will do great. Nikki and I are very excited about our upcoming retirement. The next chapter will include more travel, hopefully more visits to Hobart. And uh, we're really looking forward to the next part of our lives. I, I, I would have planned, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, would I still be working at my age? I would have said, no, I'll be retired long before that. But I happen to love what I do, and our company faced some challenges, and so I, I stayed on. But uh, I'm, I'm able to go out when I want to and under my own terms, which is... Uh, frankly, kind of unusual in, in, in our business and probably in many businesses. When I read over your bio there, you have some amazing things that you've done kind of in your pastime. You've climbed mountains, you've run marathons. As a leader with, you know, that with an extremely busy schedule, how important is that to have downtime? and time away from the desk and the decision-making um, so that you, you there's not burnout? It is the key. It is the energizer, the energizing thing of my life is what I do outside of the office. Um, everyone has a vocation, but you have to have an avocation as well. And I've, I've been very disciplined toward that. My, my life in endurance sports, uh, marathons and cycling hiking, camping has, has been a real important uh, avocation for me. And of course, my primary avocation is is the study of uh, and recording of Hobart history, <laughs> wow. which I love to do. And it's just so relaxing for me to be able to go back into my files. And, and uh, when Brandy from the library would call me and say, we have a family here who wants to know about so-and-so. Do you know? And usually I'm able to say, yeah, I have that. Let me call you back. Um, that's my avocation. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that, that, that I, I think that is important as well as to make sure that there's time away from the desk just to clear your head and um, so that you can come back and, and be fresh. It's, it's important not only to yourself, but to, to your employees. So. I always like to ask the the same last question to all of my um, guests. So if you could give your 18-year-old some advice, what would that advice be? What a great question. Uh, have confidence in yourself and confidence in others. I probably failed on the second part of that or wasn't as good as I should have been as an 18-year-old. 
but yeah, confidence in yourself and confidence in others. And, and I, 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 I got it. I got a lot of confidence from growing up in Hobart when I was allowed to make mistakes and learn from them. Um, have confidence in yourself and confidence in others and just never forget that golden rule. Yeah. So that is important. So, well, Bill, I appreciate your time today and um, what you have done for Hobart and the state of Oklahoma and um, sports in general. They've dubbed you the nicest person in sports and I can definitely see why. So I appreciate your time today. Um, Enjoy your last year. If you ever get back to Hobart, please stop by and we would love to see you. And it's been just, it's been an honor to speak with you today. Great. Jill, thank you so much for what you're doing there. And thanks to General Franks. And I really enjoyed the time together this morning. Take care. Thank you again to REI Oklahoma for making this podcast possible. For nearly 40 years, the board, staff, patrons, and supporters of the nonprofit economic development REI Oklahoma have been committed to expanding Oklahoma's economic prosperity, earning the reputation of being one of the most comprehensive economic development organizations in the country. Business lines, training workshops, business consulting, and networking opportunities, as well as technical assistance and even commercial business space are made available to Oklahoma entrepreneurs and small businesses. For low and moderate income individuals and families, down payment and our closing cost assistance is offered. Learn more at reiok.org. On behalf of the four-star leadership with General Tommy Frank's team, I'm your host, Dr. Jill Green, and this has been the Core Principles of Leadership with General Tommy Frank's podcast. Now it's your turn, podcast listeners. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what you think of this episode and all our other episodes. Share this podcast with all the leaders and up-and-coming leaders in your circles. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast listening platform, and don't forget to mark your calendars the last Friday of each month for another inspiring episode. So for now, as General Franks always says, Go be feisty.